We're going to make a little shift in gears today. I hope you don't mind. If you would, turn with me. In fact, your Bible is probably already open to chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. If not, would you turn to that, that chapter in the last book in your Bible? But we're not going to study out of the book of Revelation today. Let me explain with you why. We've been asked to uh, 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 just have a special time of prayer for our church. And we thought it would be an important thing to understand. It's been a while since we taught on this. Uh, what it really means to pray. I, I don't know of uh, anything else in, in all of Scripture that, that is more important than yours and my personal relationship that we have with the Lord through prayer, fasting and praying. And I think most of us have a very, um, n- just not a great knowledge of what does it mean to fast and pray. In fact, I, you don't need to raise your hand. I don't want you to do that, of course. But, but I want you to think for a moment. When's the last time, can you remember the last time that you fasted and prayed before the Lord? When, when was that in, in your own mind? When is the last time that you had a, 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 that intimate time where you just got alone with the Lord and really fasted and really prayed for something that was critical either in the life of someone that you love, someone that you know, or in your own personal life? When was that? You see, that should be an ongoing process in yours and my life. There, there should be a time where you and I fast and pray on a very regular basis. Now, there's nowhere in Scripture that says you have to do it. Doing a, a fasting and praying isn't going to make our Lord love you anymore. He loved you more than, than you and I can ever imagine when He died for us upon the cross and the the day that you and I came to trust and believe in Him as our Lord and Savior, that's, that was everything to Him. But to fast and pray is a critical part within Scripture. Uh, most of us understand about fasting and praying because we know that the Lord Himself, Jesus Christ, fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, we are told, before He was tempted in the wilderness by the evil one. And so fasting and praying is common. It is more than common, as, as, as you'll find out in a moment, within Scripture than perhaps you've ever realized. As a matter of fact, our Lord expects you and me to fast and pray. But we got into, into the 19th chapter now in the book of Revelation. We are now over with all of the judgments. It's done with. Uh, our Lord is going to judge Satan and the demons and, and those have, who have rejected him into a place that is called hell. That they, will be, they will be placed there. We will learn shortly in the book of Revelation about this time that's called the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. We'll learn about that as well. But for the most part, we are now going to see the glory of what's going to be before you and me as believers in Jesus Christ as the new heaven and the new earth is going to come into existence. We might even get into that right, uh, right during Easter. I don't know for sure, but we only have 19, 20, 21, 22, only four more chapters left in the book of Revelation. Now, uh, as you'll note, in this case, after our Lord just got rid of the, the whole idea of this false religion, where he got rid of uh, uh, Babylon, and, uh, which was an abomination upon the earth, we were told, and he got rid of the whole economic system, that was overturned by God, we got to the place in chapter 19, as you're going to see next week, John writes, after these things, after this happened, I heard, as it were, verse 1 of chapter 19, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, 
Hallelujah. Now, we were taught a couple of weeks ago by Anthony. He taught us about this word hallelujah. He said that he learned that that meant praise you Yahweh. Hallelujah. And so they shout, this multitude in heaven said, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belongs to our God. Verse 4, then the 24 elders, and now we've learned that that is the church. We've come to believe that the church has been raptured, it is in heaven, and we are recognized there in heaven as the 24 elders. They, along with the four living creatures, fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne. And they said, Amen. Praise you, Yahweh. Hallelujah. And then in verse 6, John says, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Praise you, Yahweh. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. So we've come to a place in Scripture where there is this wonderful, wonderful time where now the judgments of God are over with. We, we want through these, we've gone through these 18 chapters, some of them very heavy, and we are now going to be able to rejoice and sing and praise hallelujah. Well, the, the prayer team got together with me and asked, would we please consider having a time of, of fasting and praying for our church and for the exciting and wonderful things that are happening here in our church. And, and so I want you to know that tomorrow, tomorrow, if you can, along with the people of Saturday night and the people of the 8 o'clock service this morning and along with you, the 10 o'clock services, we could all gather tomorrow, those of you that can, here at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a time of praying, praying for our church, praying for our country, praying for each of us individually, fasting and praying. And, and what I'd love for you to understand is what does it mean to fast? So if you desire to, tomorrow or tonight, you may fast and ask the Lord to, to answer a prayer request that you might have that is very special and unique to you. And so I, I want to explain that the best I know how. So would you please... Turn with me to the left and find 1 Timothy. What you're going to do is go past, uh, after the book of Revelation, you're going to go past Jude and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And then you're going to go past 1st, 2nd Peter and uh, James and Hebrews. And, and right after the book of Hebrews, there is a, uh, the short book of Philemon and, and Titus. And then you'll find 2nd and then 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 2. Most people have a misconception of fasting we're going to be talking about fasting from food because that is mentioned in Scripture, but there is also a, a, a different types of fasts. There isn't necessarily just a fast from foods. There is a fast to do things, like spend more time with the Lord, uh, more time in prayer. Uh, I'll give you a for instance. I, I, I fast... I know I shouldn't say this because it tells you not to say it because you've received your reward in full. Um, when you... If you brag to mankind that you passed, but I'm just going to say this for, for in-house, like family. But, but like as now I'm old and I wake up during the night. You don't know this, young people, but you wake up all the time at, and you get older. When you need to sleep the most, you don't get it. But what I've found is that is a time that the Lord is waking me up to pray. And I tell you that I have prayed for you guys more than you'll ever dream, more than you'll ever know. I have decided not to be upset that I get awakened at night, but rather to use that as a time to pray for you, 
Now, I might not know all of your names. I might not know all of your faces. But by gosh, by the grace of God, you have been prayed for by me. And I have prayed for you. And that is a time. It's not, a, it's not I don't have food. It's not that. It's, it's, it's just a time that I use to come before the Lord and fast and pray in my heart to seek His face. And so I wanted you to understand what it really means to be someone who fasts and prays because it, it is, it is going to revolutionize your whole life. It will help you grow in your faith like nothing else that you've ever experienced. Oh, other than, of course, reading and understanding the Word of God. But apart from that, to fast and pray is... Well, let me show you. Rather than now talk about it, let me show you. When you think, when we think of fasting and praying, usually our Lord comes to mind. As I mentioned to you, almost all of us know that He fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. We, we know that. The definition of fasting is the voluntary absence from food or things for a spiritual purpose. Let me show you what took place in the life of the church that Timothy was pastoring, and Paul was a very strategic part of that church. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, there is all sorts of problems that Timothy is having in the church that he is pastoring. There are people who are rebellious, they are ungodly, they are, they are teaching false doctrine left and right. Paul comes into the church. Look at verse 18 of chapter 1. We'll just start there. Paul says, This command I entrusted to you, Timothy, my son. My son, meaning that he led Timothy to the Lord. Timothy was Paul's son in the Lord. He led him to Jesus Christ. These are the things that I have entrusted to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight. He says in verse 19, I want you to keep your faith. I want you to have a good conscience. Some, he says, have rejected this and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. He names two of them, Hymenaeus and Alexander. Among, he says, that is Hymenaeus and Alexander who were a part of your church, but Paul says, I delivered them over, verse 20, I have delivered them over to Satan. In other words, Paul says, I have commanded them out of the church. They're no longer a part of the church. Out, out guys, until you repent, until you come to your senses. He says, I have turned them over to Satan, as he says in verse 20, so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Now watch what Paul says. He goes on now to say to Timothy and the church there, this is of first importance. Watch. Look at chapter 2 of, of 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 1. First of all then, in other words, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and also, he says, all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here at this church, this is of utmost importance to us. This, 
that you might come to the knowledge of this, the truth of God. This is critical. I had the privilege of having lunch with one of the church members here this, this week, and we talked about the importance of this, the Word of God, and how some churches have, have not really considered this of utmost importance, to come to the knowledge of the truth. And come to the knowledge of philosophy of life, of, of some sort of religiosity, but the knowledge of the truth is being denied in some churches. And this is what will bring you to true salvation, and this is what will bring you to that place of growth. This along with your fasting and praying. And so I want to pray with you that, that God will open up our eyes, that we might behold absolute wonderful things from His grace, His truth, His law. Pray with me, please. Father, I want to thank You for the, just what is going on here in our church and, and, and the wonderful things, Father. And we pray Your blessings upon, upon it all. We, we, we want to be a blessing to You, Father. We sang about that, that, that You tore down the veil, that You have now given us life, life everlasting. Father, there's... What more can we say but say thank you and, and praise you, Yahweh. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we want to be a church that understands fasting and praying. That we be a church that, Father, seeks after your face in all manners of life. And so would you please, as I prayed and said just a moment ago, would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? Would you move me aside, Father, so that we might hear from your heart what it means to really be a person that fasts and understand what it means to truly pray, seeking your face. Help me. Help us, Father, to understand these things. I want to pray this in the most precious name that we know of, Father. That's the name of your Son, our Lord, our Savior, the one who came to give us life, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, Father. Amen. When Timothy had a problem in his church, Paul came and helped him. After speaking to the problem, as we saw in chapter 1 with Hymenaeus and Alexander, and I don't believe that these two were the only problem, not by any, any stretch of the imagination, but they might have been the worst. So bad that Paul had to personally ask them to leave the church and turn them over, as it says, to Satan. Then in chapter 2, Paul shows you and me in these first four verses the solution to the problem that they were having, and it is a solution to any and every problem that you and I might ever have. It is by praying for one another. Verse 1, Paul says, First of all then, first things first, I urge you, he says, through entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings, that be made on behalf of all men. Let me just break down those first four words just so that you get a glimpse of what is it that Paul is asking. The word entreaties in the Greek is D-E-E-S-I-S. It comes from the root word that is to lack or to be deprived or without something. It arises from our sense of needing and pleading with God for something to be added. You might not even know what it is, but God does. And to ask him for this, he will bring it into your life, to entreat him. Second word is prayer. It's a simple word. It's P-R-O, 
S-E-U-C-H-E. It just carries with it the idea of worship and reverence. In other words, when you and I pray, we're not to pray, say like, for instance, we haven't prayed all day. You can't remember the last time you fasted, the, the last time that you went to God in prayer. Maybe it was, oh, you had a busy day, and so just as you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you start to pray because you forgot to pray. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're slurring, you're not praying. That's not reverence. That's not a respect of God. What God wants you and me to do is to find a time in our lives when we're alert, when we're awake, when we can go to Him and give Him a period of time where we can pray to Him in worship and in reverence. And then we bring Him our petitions. That is the E-N-T-E-U-X-I-S in the Greek. It, it means to getting involved with. In other words, to petition whatever it is that you might want from Him or you might be asking of Him or you might think that it is necessary necessary for you to have. It might be that you don't even know what it is. I can't tell you how many times I go to the Lord, Lord, I'm not sure in my spirit. I don't know the true answer to this, but you do. Please, Father, please give me the answer. And so I go to him with my petitions, some of them known, some of them unknown. And then with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the best of the words because it is a spirit of gratitude to God. Why gratitude to Him? Simple. Because He and He alone is the one who can intervene into yours and my life and give us exactly what it is that we need. And so, therefore, we are to be thankful to Him. Because prayers, when we go to God in prayer, it has no boundary. It has no language barrier, has no space, time, or, or anything. We can pray for anyone, anywhere, at any time, and God hears our prayers and answers about the ones that we are praying for. Perhaps you have a loved one that's overseas, a, a, someone that is far from you, and you can't, you can't hold on to them, you can't see them, but you certainly can pray, and God can, and He can deal with them for you. And so you go to Him in your entreaties, in other words, asking God to supply. You go to Him with your prayers, that time of worship and reverence. You go to Him with your petitions, those things that you ask of Him. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't even know. And you go with thanksgiving, knowing that He and He alone is the one who hears you and can answer your prayers. Then Paul goes on in verses 2, 3, and 4 and says we are to pray for kings. In other words, we're to pray for the President of the United States of America. We're to pray for all of our leadership. That's true. We are to pray for them. And also, Paul says, and for all who are in authority. And there he's talking about those within the church, those who are in authority, namely the leaders within the, the family of God, so that, so that you and I, he says, might lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Paul calls for the only thing that will help when situations seem to be out of hand. That is to fast and to pray. But note, not simply just pray, but to pray with a purpose. As it says in verses 3 and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord, that you should pray that all men become saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
There's nothing more powerful nor has a greater impact on you and your loved ones or even your enemies to pray for them is a wonderful thing. Nothing has a more power in their life or your life than fasting and praying for one another. How do I know this? Listen to what Samuel says. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. You might want to mark this down sometime. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. 1 Samuel chapter 12, 23. Samuel says this, Far be it from me that I should sin against my God. Far be it from me that I should sin against my God. Ask the question, what, what, would, what would cause you to sin against God, Samuel? He says that I should cease to pray for you. I want you to know something, as I've already said. You folks are prayed for, at least by me. I pray for you so often. Some of you, I can see your faces. I can see, and I ask God, bless them. I don't know what they're going through, but Father, you've brought them to mind. Bless them. I pray for you often. It is a way of life. Far be it from me that I would sin against God to cease praying for you. And I'm sure that you have people that you prayed for, but... But f go to God with reverence and fasting and praying, asking Him to answer whatever it is their need is or whatever it is that you are praying for personally, that He would answer His need. And, and be quick to say, Lord, not my will, not what I necessarily want, but what? Your will be done in my life. Our Lord even said that. Not my will. Yours be done. Samuel says, far be it from us that we should sin against God by ceasing to pray for one another. Now, don't miss this marvelous point in verse 2 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. When we do pray for those in authority, in this case, Paul is talking about the leadership of the church at Timothy's church. He says, it'll create within you and me that note, it says in verse 2, so that we, not, not them, so that we, we who pray, we may lead a tranquil and quiet life that will lead us to godliness and dignity. Wow. Listen, when you and I are truly committed to pray for the leadership, it ought to remove any thought of rebellion or resistance against them making those that you and I are praying for into peacemakers. Therefore, allowing you and me to live, listen to these two words, tranquil and quiet. Only two places it's mentioned is here, together. The word quiet is mentioned one other place in Scripture, but only one other place. Tranquil here. Tranquil refers to the absence of any outside disturbance. Whereas the word quiet refers to the absence of any internal disturbance. And so what Paul is saying is you can clear yourself of any outside and internal disturbances. How many of us have gone to sleep at night tossing and turning, our tummies just kind of just being just a mess because of the turmoil that's going on out there in our lives or in someone else's life that we know and love? Paul says, go to him. Paul says, go to our Lord in prayer and you will acquire a tranquil and quiet life. The absence of outside and inside disturbances. 
He also says in verse 2 that that we will have godliness. That carries the idea of reverence towards God, a, a proper attitude towards God, knowing that He is in control, not us. And dignity. Dignity is, is talking about moral sincerity, the proper behavior. And so Paul's saying, look, you come to our Lord God in fasting and praying, specifically praying for something that you purposed in your life, and you will have a tranquil and quiet life outside internal disturbances gone. A godliness or a reverence towards God and a dignity, a moral sincerity and proper behavior before your Lord. All of these blessings, folks, come our way when we are willing to pray for one another. So let's talk about the whole idea of fast. Most people have no clue what that means. Within God's Word, there are different fasts. Maybe you didn't even know that. The most common is our Lord's, what I would call our Lord's fast. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. In Luke chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about our Lord fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it says He became hungry. Now, neither in Matthew nor Luke does it mention that He didn't have water to drink. Now, why is that important? Well, because there is also mentioned within the Word of God what is called an absolute fast. Ezra, for instance, Ezra chapter 10, verse 6 says that he went before the house of God into the chambers of Jehohanan and Eliashib. And he went there and he did not eat bread, nor did he drink water, because he was mourning over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. Do you remember, maybe more common to you, would be the life of Esther. Esther became the queen. She was a Jew. Her cousin was Mordecai. Mordecai let Esther be known that they were going to, they meaning the people there in Susa, were going to kill all of the Jews. They were going to kill and assassinate all of the Jews. Mordecai said to her, Esther, if you don't do something, they're all going to die. And then he asked, then he asked that great question, how do you know that you have not received royalty for such a time as this, just to do this? And so Esther responds to her cousin Mordecai and says, go and assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, day or night. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. Then she says, then I will go to the king after these three days of fast. And the reason she wanted them to fast was for her to go to the king without his permission, without him calling her, even though she was the queen. It could have cost her her life. And Mordecai, her cousin, says, you go. Who knows that you have not received royalty for such a time as this? And so she says, I and my maidens will also fast for three days and three nights. And we will go to the king. I will, she says, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. God bless her. Paul, when our Lord knocked him down on the road to Damascus, says he was three days without sight, and he had neither food to eat nor water to drink. So there is the Lord's fast. There is a, an absolute fast. There is also a partial fast. In the book of Daniel, it says, test your servants, talking about the servants of Daniel. Test them for ten days, it says. 
give them vegetables to eat and water to drink only. So there is a Lord's fast, there is an absolute fast, and there is a partial fast. You can, you can fast from some things that, you don't have to fast from the whole meal, just part of it. Let's say that you are really, a, you love dessert. Don't have dessert for that meal. Maybe no ice cream. <laughs> you know, that's some, for some people that's a big thing. No, just find something that you can fast for. It doesn't have to be the whole meal. It doesn't have to be all the food. It can be a part of it. What you ought to do is when you go and, and deny yourself of something on behalf of seeking the face of God, it is a time of reverence to Him. There's also what is called in the Bible a supernatural fast. There's only two people that have done this, Moses and Elijah. They both were on Mount Sinai. In Moses' case, let me read it to you. Moses says, When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord God had made with you, I remained on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water for all that time. Elijah says the same. There is also a fast that I think is important for us as a church that is noted within Scripture that is called a congregational fast. This is what we're going to ask us to do tomorrow. Maybe you can fast for a part of a meal or something during the day and come and meet us at 7 o'clock at night and fill this place as we pray for one another. In the book of Joel, in the Old Testament, in the second chapter, the 15th and the 16th verse, Joel says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly, he says. And then in verse 16, he says, Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. We're going to fast. In the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, the second verse, the church was gathering together. They were seeking out who they were going to send. It says, When they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, they were fasting, the church, there in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so we see these different fasts. One of the fasts and prayers that is probably mentioned the most is I'd like to close, not close with this, but I, this will be the last place I'm going to ask you to turn. Would you look in your Bible to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see something that perhaps you've not noticed before. Maybe you've read before, and maybe you have noted it, but I want to bring it out to you. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16, 17, and 18, there is a private fast, a private fast that you and you alone will go through. And this place in Scripture explains it best. But I want you to note, in verses 16, 17, and 18, our Lord mentions in this Sermon on the Mount that He expects you and me to fast. Notice it says in verse 16, whenever you fast. Verse 17, when you fast. Verse 18, so that you're fasting. Let me read this to you. Verse, verse 16 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. They neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, don't go around letting everybody think, Oh, I'm miserable. Why are you miserable? been fasting. 
Oh, you've just gotten your only reward. You got your reward before the, before the person that you've just said that to, but not before God. Look at, look at what, what our Lord says in verse 18. So that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but rather your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so we are to fast. Now, when we gather together with a congregation and we fast, that, that we all going to have a fairly good idea that some of us have fasted during the day. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is that when you privately fast, you're not to go around telling somebody, I, oh, I, don't, no, I can't eat. You know, uh, I normally would eat, but right now I'm fasting. <laughs> You've just won your reward. Forget it. Just, no, I'm not hungry right now. Thanks. I have one friend that, I don't know if he was fasting, but he always said, I just brushed my teeth. I don't want to have anything to eat right now. I don't know if he just brushed his teeth or not, but he got out of eating anything. Maybe that was his way of doing it. There's a very strong emphasis upon the Word of God of fasting and praying. And the Lord gives instructions here in these three verses, verses 16, 17, 18 of Matthew chapter 6, of things that we ought to do and what we ought not to do. What we ought not to do is to wear our fast as a badge of honor, saying, look at me. No, to do that, you receive your reward in full. In other words, you'll get your appraise from men, not, not God. What you are to do, though, is not to let anyone know, if possible, that you are fasting so that your Father in heaven will bless and reward you. Also, in chapter 6, and I won't linger on it at all, but it also talks about giving. We fast and we ought to give. He says in verse 1 of chapter 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, just as he said about fasting, you'll receive your reward in full. So he says in verse 2, when you give, in other words, that's a part of all of this. When you give, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do. No, no, they have their reward in full. Just give. Give unto the Lord. Well, let's not talk about that. We're talking about fasting and praying. Now, interestingly, through all of this, our Lord gives no command regarding how long or how often we ought to fast. I think that's all a, a personal choice. It's, 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 your, it's, your, it's the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. How often you should fast ought to be led by the Holy Spirit that lives within you. The Bible mentions that there are fasts that last for a day. That's Judges. Also a night in Daniel. He spent the night fasting. I, I don't... I don't, I don't usually eat during the night, so I don't get that. But for Daniel, it was okay. In Esther, we are told she fasted for three days. In Samuel, we are told that Samuel fasted for seven days. In the book of Acts, we are told that the church there, no, Paul, I should say, fasted for 14 days without food or water. In Daniel chapter 10, we are told that he fasted 21 days, three full weeks. And then, as we've already mentioned, our Lord and Moses and others fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Critical to how long you fast is not so much the length as the purpose. You ought to have a purpose in mind to seek after the heart of God. Some who have no purpose, I've heard some say, well, I fasted and all I did was get hungry. For goodness sakes, don't use a fast as a diet. That's not the reason for any fast. The fast is to, to seek the face of God. And know this, 
there must be a purpose for you to do it. You might not know, like I said, you might not know exactly what it is that you want the Lord to do because you're not certain, but you can go to Him and He knows what is best for you. You can go to Him in that fashion. But have a purpose. But know this, there's nothing that you can do, nor I can do, nor we can do more to win the favor of God than what we did when we came to Him for our salvation. That's everything. So some of the purposes are, and there are myriads. You can have your own. But let me just say some of the that I found in, in Scripture. In Nehemiah, when Nehemiah felt very weak, like he couldn't really complete the wall, and he felt like he needed strength, he says, I sat down, Nehemiah said, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days, and then I fasted and I prayed before my God who is in heaven. Maybe you need guidance. In the book of Judges, we are told they remained there before the Lord and they fasted until that evening. They needed His guidance. Maybe you do. Perhaps it's protection. In Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was afraid, it says. And so he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe there's a sin that's just beating you up and beating you down. And for whatever reason, you just can't seem to stop. You ought to go to God in repentance. In the book of Joel, the second chapter, the 12th verse, it says, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Maybe it's just simply to humble yourself. Just to humble yourself before God. In 1 Kings, it said when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, and he fasted. And then the Lord said in verse 29 of 1 Kings 21, Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. He passed it over him. And then it could be maybe you're tempted beyond what you really feel you can handle. Never forget our Lord. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the Satan came and tried to tempt him. I don't know what it is that you need to pray about and fast over, but I, I want to say to you this. I think you ought to do it more often than you're doing it. I think you ought to go to before the Lord and fast and pray. Sometimes it's just a, a matter of not the things that you don't eat, but maybe the things that you do. Spend a little bit more time with Him, for instance. Maybe read a, a little bit more out of your Bible. Come to Him in reverence and respect and, and fast and pray, asking Him to to do whatever it is that you might want. Maybe it's just simply to humble yourself and to get to a closer time with Him. I don't know. But I beg of you to consider fasting and praying as a way of life. Apart from studying and reading the Word of God, I know of no other way for you and me to become more mature in our walk with Jesus Christ than to fast and to pray. It brings blessings into your lives. Now let's pray. Father, we want to we have our hearts right before you. We'd love to be a people that fast and pray. I know there's a group that meet every Monday night, pray for this church, pray for this community, pray for a lot of things. Father, we will have this Monday at 7 o'clock a prayer meeting for our church. I, I pray that those of us that can, that we will be here.
have communion and just have a time of fellowship with one another. And so I pray you'll bless us. Now bless the family meeting we're going to have in a short while and, and make this a very special day for each of us, Father. In some way, may, us, may we bless you and, and thank you, Father, for your blessings. We pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you all so much.